0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Life in Sports. So we've had a referee recently, Ziggy sheklaser We've got another referee. Well, he hasn't made his refereeing debut yet. However, he has made his touch-judge debut. Um, he's made quite a few touch-judge appearances. His name is Wyatt Raymond. Thanks for joining us today, and how's your day going?
1: Yeah, no dramas, mate. Thanks for having me. It's um, going pretty good. It's a normal sort of training day that I've just finished up the day before the game. So I'm on tomorrow night, so we just do like a... A strength session and a bit of an off legs flush into a massage so it's a pretty cruisy day
0: Mm -hmm. so like a bit like kind of like how the players do it they do a bit of a relaxed session the day before that way it's not too intense for you so you don't go into the game and cramp up sort of stuff
1: yeah exactly right it's just get in get the body moving nothing too heavy on the legs so we just do like a, a bike or an assault bike session and a bit of a core um circuit and then yeah into the massage and then you might have a little bit of a chat with your team or your your post game coach um but yeah it's a, it's pretty much basically like a half day sort of thing yeah
0: yeah fair um and at what age did you start refereeing
1: um uh, and i got into it when i was um 15 so it mm-hmm. sort of coincided with uh giving up rugby league as a player um playing club in clubland so i was at yeah. a, a rugby league school so i continued to play that year for the school but the club sort of at that age was where it was a little bit more competitive so I was in a really a really gun team that you know was in grand finals every year and once everyone sort of hit that age of growing their body and hitting puberty and all that sort of stuff I sort of was a bit late to that party so I got pushed towards the wing and I just sort of wasn't enjoying the sport but mum and dad were still involved in executive land in like treasurer or secretary roles Yep. So I was in and around footy every weekend, no matter what. So I started just doing a little bit of coaching, doing under eights. And the local refereeing uh, association realized that I wasn't playing. And they knew me just through conversations and through my parents as well. And they asked me to come and pick up the whistle and give it a go. And yeah, I haven't looked back since. So that was 2011. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, well that's
0: awesome um, and obviously I, I was about to ask but that obviously covers the question did you play any sports growing up obviously you played rugby league did you play any other sports other than rugby league?
1: Yeah I played um, I played touch a lot just socially and also through club competitively mm-hmm. um, but any sort of like block sport that popped up at school I love so we played a bit of volleyball AFL all you know all of it I, I'll try anything mate I also love playing golf and um, I'm no good at it but it's um, an enjoyable enjoyable sport to play with mates and have a bit of a laugh so yeah I'll, I gave pretty much everything a go but rugby league was the main the main passion.
0: Yeah that's fair yeah, um, and what was the bubble like last year and because um, there wasn't really a bubble in 2020 there was a 10-week shutdown so the bubble yep. in particular you guys headed up to Queensland which is you know your home state so what yep. was it like to be able to you know spend time in the bubble and around in Queensland?
1: Yeah man it was it was honestly a really rollercoaster year for someone to cuz it was my first year it was the first year I went full time so It was yeah. I I moved to Brisbane after finishing uni in, in um Townsville for a job for physiotherapy and then um I was there for 7 weeks before I was offered the full time gig which obviously meant I had to go to Sydney and then yep. 4 to 5 months into that we were being posted back to Brisbane.
0: <laughs> yeah it would have been a bit a bit haphazard for you would have just settled yeah. sort i of think down there
1: yeah i was all over the shop man it was it was um definitely a roller coaster but for yeah. me it was a little bit different because the comp i think it stopped for a week or two and then everyone sort of got the message that we were getting on a plane in a day or two and flying up to to brisbane indefinitely so pack your bags for however long those yeah however long that might be but for me, I actually went because in the process of moving to New South Wales, I just went to the RTA to get my driver's license. And yep. in amongst that got made a, a close contact because a worker there had it. And that was back during the peak. So I was um, put into isolation for 14 days. And of course, in that 14 days, everyone got on a plane and went to yep. Brisbane. Yep. But I missed that boat and so did my housemate because he's in the squad and yeah. then they had to work out a way to get us up there through exemptions because the borders were shut. Yep. So we got on the flight with all the wives and girlfriends and did the 2 weeks quarantine in that hotel with them.
0: Yep, so you did 14 days before you flew up and then 14 yeah. days after.
1: Yeah. So 14 days for that, then there was like a 2 or 3 day crossover and then 14 days in that hotel and then we were finally back in the bubble. Yeah. So it was all yeah, it was all happening. Um but once we were there mate like we were sort of there when the rules started to slowly relax and to be honest with you it was one of the most sort of memorable enjoyable experiences of my life so far like I'm only 25 but to be there with the squad and being in and around each other day in day out like it was a grind it was tough especially having a long distance relationship and and having to maintain that and and that that part was a big struggle and not being able to work as well and practice my own skills outside of footy but Mm-hmm. in terms of just the squad dynamics like it is it is an enjoyable it would have brought you guys
0: and girls obviously because Casey and
1: Belinda and all that would have brought the entire squad closer together
0: you would have known a lot better how each other works that sort of thing
1: yeah absolutely you got to know people on an individual level and a personal level rather than just seeing them at training every day and mm. and I think that that was the the key take out of it it brought us closer together and. You know, with any sort of group dynamic, there's people that get along, you know, more so than others. There's people that you gravitate towards, but at the end of the day, I, I do think it sort of brought us closer, and it was a a positive overall experience. And that sort of transpired to this year. You see the group dynamic this year; everyone's yeah, you, know, you know, really buys into everything, and on on and off the field. So I think it was a, a massively positive experience.
0: Yeah, of course, um, and obviously living in each other's pockets being as in lies and living so close to each other because you're in the bubble. And I heard from Ziggy that you love to play pranks. Uh, that would have been perfect timing for you to be able to get a yeah. few pranks out. Is there any ones that, you know, stick out in your memory as like cracking ones that you got?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a couple, honestly, I get it back as, as much as I give it. Cause That's I, I think they get sick of it. So, <laughs> but the, the one that I think was quite funny was uh, Benny Cummins does a few of his own sort of, rehab sort of longevity exercises in the gym and one of them involves him laying down on his stomach and doing some sort of activation on his back mm-hmm. and I the gym we were at we we're at Langlands Park so East Tigers or Brisbane Tigers now play out of there and they mm-hmm. had some cable ties in the cupboard and I spotted what he was doing and his shoelaces were close together so <laughs> I went over to the cupboard and I was sort of I guess ambitious thinking that he wouldn't notice I was doing anything, but he ended up not knowing at all. Wow. So I grabbed two cable tires, tied them together and looped them through his shoelaces <laughs> and tied them off. And he spent another four minutes on the ground doing that work. And then obviously when he went to stand that's up, his, his feet were locked <laughs> together and he took a bit of a, a bit of a tumble. So oh, yeah, that one, one that one sticks out in the mind is pretty good.
0: Now nah, that's awesome. And obviously you said you've been getting it back a bit now. What's yeah, one that yeah. stands out in your mind for one that you've copped? <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> There's there's been there's been quite a lot actually. The best one was probably I've got a nickname in amongst the squad and sort mm-hmm. of in QRL and NRL of the Ibis or Bin Chicken. Because you're quite a, tall. No, it was it was actually I back when I was coming down training casually. So I came down like once a month or once every two months with a guy from a couple of guys from Queensland. One I'm sort of really close with. I think we were just having a conversation one day and I asked him a question or something and he just responded like colloquially like get your beak out of it and then he said actually you know what you're pretty tall and and slender you look like a bit of a long beak like an ibis so when we got to the training session he told everyone to call me that so ever since i've got ibis bin chicken binny bc everything that goes with it but anyway the the prank one of the guys john stone he um he went to the markets that was on like south brisbane and south bank there and got like a iron-on patch of an ibis and he ironed it he ironed it to one of my training singlets and i had no idea and i just put it on one morning but on top of that he also stole my whole luggage kit so on i think it was on game day i was standby which means i was wasn't actually running but i needed yep. everything just in case i was and i was looking yep. for my gear and it was all gone out of my room nothing and i was just pleading with everyone i don't care if you keep all of it just give me my game day gear so i can actually go to the game yep and all that was left in my cupboard was NRL gear. So they're all at lunch in their in their casual civvy clothing. Like we're in the same hotel as the Dragons, the Tigers and the Sharks. And all <laughs> he's left me is my NRL kit. So I've walked down to lunch with people who just look like they're civilians and I've got a full kit of NRL gear on. <laughs> but John Stone was sitting there wearing my clothes to lunch. <laughs> so he great. had my kit on. So yeah, it, it got me back with one.
0: That's honestly amazing. I love that. Um, So obviously game day as you just mentioned um you know you need your kit regardless so speaking of do you have any pre-game routines or rituals that you personally need to you know check off on a list sort of thing
1: uh not not necessarily there's probably some things that I do like just in my own head like I was listening to the podcast with Ziggy like and you asked him about you know what needs to go on first or anything like that like I always do um like left foot right foot whatever okay. goes on so sock sock skin shoes. skins yeah shoes shoes orthotic orthotic like it's real weird but yeah if I if I'm talking to someone and I notice I do it then I have to start again sort of thing oh okay. that's probably that's probably as as weird as it gets but I also just like to listen to music and build a playlist from everyone like I'll ask for everyone to give me five or six songs or you know we might go around the room and build a playlist for the pre-game or something like that but other than that, there's not too many yeah I guess superstitions I, everyone else will say i I need to get a haircut every week. They like to say I get one every three days. It's actually once a fortnight, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. mate It doesn't get any sort of weirder than that no, that's
0: fair enough um I'm just look so obviously you played other sports growing up. did you follow any other sports growing up and or still, and if so, which teams
1: um to be honest with you, mate, I'm not really sort of, like, passionately barracking for any team specifically. Like, I I watch any sport that's on TV. I do like the t- – I have teams that I like to sort of watch, but I don't, you know, sort of intently sit there and set reminders okay. to watch their games or anything. So, in basketball, like, I'll sit there and watch the whole playoff series or go back on KO and sort of watch games and, and that sort of stuff. I'm on, on the Celtics bandwagon this year, so hopefully okay. – they get through but yeah it's sort of like whenever the big games or the big tournaments roll around I'll pick a player or a team yeah and just follow Um,
0: that sort of
1: yeah yeah. so I don't have sort of any intent sort of passion for someone specifically or any sort of any team but yeah like it's just one of those things where I'll just get on a, a player or a team bandwagon once it starts and sort of see how they go
0: yeah that's fair And obviously you mentioned you started refereeing at 15, but at what age uh, or point in your life did you decide to have a serious go at becoming an NRL referee?
1: Yeah, it's sort of like, I think once I started, I, I, 12 months later in 2012, I was at like, so it's similar to football playing, right? You go through like regional and state level carnivals and then nationals and I sort of found myself at a national carnival in 2012. So like 12 months after I started, which was very quick. Like it doesn't normally happen that quickly. Um, So once that sort of happened and I got nominated for that, I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I could give this a red hot crack and sort of build something. But at that stage, you're only at under 12s, right? So you would think, okay, this is cool, but where can I take it? And then I think once I finished school and I had to sort of pick what I wanted to study, it, I did that based on the aspiration of making the NRL. So like mm-hmm. if I wanted to pursue a career where I needed to study for four to six years or be on placements or, you know, give up weekends or blocks of time, I was like, well, I can't really do that if I want to go to the, the state competitions or national comps and say I'm available every week or travel the country to do game. Mm-hmm. So it was probably at that point when I was like, I guess, 20, 21. And then, that later on that year I debuted in Queensland Cup at, at 21 in, in the wow. two-rep system as a pocket.
0: And how did that feel being able to get your debut at that age and you know your debut at Queensland Cup?
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal mate, like it was it was in a split round so like where they only had four games one week and three yeah. games the other so it was totally like not on my radar at all. Um, but yeah, at 21 I was quite young. I still had braces back then so <laughs> I felt it, I felt even younger and it was, it was really, really surreal. And um, you know, but the people around and we had Eddie Ward and John Tott running the system back then and and um they were quite, you know, trusting and empowering and what they said and did for me. So I sort of had confidence built in me from that. And then um yeah, from that moment on, I sort of never looked back. And as I said, things have happened quite quickly. Like I'm only 25, so I'm sort of younger. Than most people in the squad by a fair fair way, so I didn't expect it sort of sort of happen that quickly. But because it things sort of did fall in place, that sort of lifted the motivation and drive to sort of make it a, an actual career rather than just a weekend hobby.
0: Yeah. Now, honestly, that's awesome, and you're yet to make your NRL. Um, on the field refereeing debut, but you've done a lot of touch judging. What was it like stepping out onto the field as regardless an official for your first NRL game, even though it's touch judging for now? But what did that feel like?
1: Yeah, it was crazy, mate. Like, you can't really describe the feeling. And it it was interesting too, like, my debut happened in Townsville, which for me was... Oh, wow was home but I lived in Sydney so I, yeah. I, you did the whole fly back stay in a hotel experience in, in what was really my hometown for 18 yeah. years yeah wow so um that feeling and having the ability to have mum and dad and my partner present me my jersey before the game and look up in the stands when I ran out and saw like my brother my sisters uh, my brothers my sister and then like extended family and friends and Yeah, it's a pretty cool and surreal feeling. Obviously, there's the nerves of not wanting to stuff it up after you've been given the opportunity, um, because it can be quite a a dog-eat-dog world and heavily criticised and pressure, not only externally, but what we put on ourselves internally as well. It can be quite nerve-wracking. But once you sort of got into the game and, you know, for want of a better word, you get your first touch, like they say, as a player, it's no different. When you're an official, when you get your first sort of decision or bit of comms to give, and then your, your confidence grows and you feel like you're in a rhythm. But the feeling itself is, yeah, sort of indescribable. It's like surreal because you're like, I've done it. It's exciting because you're looking up and you've got thousands of people, and you're looking around and you're seeing players that you watched as a kid or referees that you watched as a kid, and but then you've also got the nerves of just wanting to get through it and doing well and not stuffing yeah. it up.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot to take on, especially at, as you said, such a young age being, you know, most referees don't get their touch judge debut, let alone, you know, all that sort of stuff till well into their twenties, maybe even in their thirties. So yeah, it, yep. it, it would have been very daunting for you. Um. And, but talk us through a game day for you, you know, from when you wake up to when the final siren of a game goes.
1: Yeah. So it obviously would depend on whether or not you travel or if you're staying in a hotel or whatever, but generally speaking, if I'm on a travel game, I'll sort of wake up and have brekkie with the crew. If there's anyone else from the squad staying at the hotel, or if you by yourself just go and have brekkie, I like to go for a bit of a swim um, just when I travel. Cause I think it just sort of helps wake you up. Cause you get, I don't know, it's a bit of, bit of a different feeling when you wake up in a hotel room versus your own yeah. bed. Um, but yeah, then after that, just sort of get on the fluids and, hydrate i'll go to the shops and just get my game day like protein shake lollies and pre-game snack then just have lunch have a bit of a nap again if i'm feeling like it but otherwise just yeah stretch pack the bag i'll go for a bit of a walk and a wander um but other than that yeah do a COVID test go with the times before you sort of leave the hotel two hours before the game and then yeah arrive at the ground start getting into your match prep of of sort of rolling and doing mobility and activation. You go and see the physio. who which, gives you like pre-game you treatment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it gives you a pre-game treatment and a massage. And then, yeah, from there, you just sort of get into game mode, have a chat again with your team and your match day coach and referee about expectations and what they want and the standards that you're looking to set and what might come of the, the game that you you're doing and then you head out you do a comms check the comms guy puts the vest on you you get, do a comms check on the ground go through your warm-up if everything's all sweet come back in five minutes full kick off put your jersey on and yeah away you go
0: yeah wicked um and yeah speaking of the the bubble just before because we did talk about that and your degree which is in physiotherapy uh we yeah. did chat uh, i think it was last week or the week before and you mentioned that you actually were for lack of a better term, the physio for the refs during the bubble because yep. the one that your main physio uh that you know down in Sydney couldn't make it. Um yep. how did you handle taking on that role or responsibility?
1: Yeah mate, I I jumped at it. Like you said, our physio could only do a certain amount of time because he had a young family back in Sydney and he had commitments there. And as you said, his full time job was in Sydney. So he just sort of had to go back home after a few weeks. And I just it was me just putting my hand up and saying look I'm qualified. I've, I've got the skills. I I'm in the squad anyway, so I'm more than happy to it's help. Not like out. I'm going that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was still living in the bubble. And so just went along with that same process, like on training days or match days, if I went to a game and just, yeah. you know, on top of my own sort of prep and what I needed to do, I'd do that and then just help out with any sort of treatment or management of rehab or injuries that people had. And, once we're in the bubble again, because we had all that downtime and spare time, people could just yeah come and see me, and whether or not it was any sort of like joint mobs or massage or dry needling or anything like that, they could just pop their head in and yeah we'd just do in treatment sessions. But I loved it, mate, because I get I got to balance the two, you know, massive interests in my life at the one time. Like outside of that, back in Sydney, it's it's sort of been a bit of a grind to sort of find work in the sense that I have a full-time gig away from physio and I have an unpredictable roster roster week to week when I don't know where I'm going until the week of. So it's hard for employees to sort of give you a, a look in. So that was like, all right, there's an opportunity. I'll take it. And yeah, I, did, I managed to go right through to the, the grand final actually and be physio oh, wow. and game day at the grand final. So I, I got given an opportunity and in a complete different um, role outside of refereeing that yeah i think anyone would jump out in the physiotherapy world especially the sports interested physiotherapists so yeah i was quite lucky like a lot of people are doing it for 15 20 years before they get an opportunity like that so it was sort of right place right time
0: yeah well that's honestly really awesome to hear if you could referee alongside any former referee, so retired um etc who would it be and why oh
1: geez um we always, it's, it sounds a bit cliche, but like we'd always talk about how you'd love to build sort of the ideal referee from different parts of people. Yeah. Like, um, you know, for me that having the, the ability of longevity and just his calm nature in Benny Cummins, like he's been there for over 400 games. He's got one of the best motors on him fitness-wise and he's just managed to sustain it for a long period of time. But he's still there, obviously, but people that have retired, like, Chet's just had an amazing ability of talking to players and knowing what was required in a game. Like you'd give him information on the 10 metres at one point in the game and he'd just be like, thanks, mate, but you're actually saying you wanted some sort of action because it wasn't good enough. But he just knew that at that time it wasn't required or wasn't necessary. And as the game goes on, you sort of realise, oh yeah, actually that makes sense. I now know why he didn't do that at that period of time. But I think, yeah, growing up, Probably the ones that I was sort of most interested in in their refereeing was probably Church himself. Um, Shane Hayne was another one that I sort of followed intently and and then probably just, you know, Bill Harrigan did it for so long and did the big games for 10 years or so. So I think running his line and just seeing how he did it back then would be pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah. Now that's awesome. And that's actually kind of a really interesting take on things that you said, you know, you'd love to take certain aspects and qualities and traits of referees to build the perfect referee, which yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'd be awesome. I'm thinking about that. I was, I'll, as you were doing that, I was thinking of referees that you might name while yeah. you were bringing them out. I'm like, yep. Each one that you said, I, I literally checked off. Yeah. Um, Cause there's so
1: many aspects to it. Like, you know, there's the physical attributes, whether or not they're tall, shorter, there's the fitness ability the speed ability there's the, also the gift knowledge. of the
0: gab being able to acknowledge and talk with the yep. captains and whatnot you can
1: yeah you can know every rule in the rule book but your ability to translate that into speaking to a captain can be a totally different ball game so yeah, there's so it's, many different things
0: yeah especially when it's like the 75th minute all players are gassed the ref is somewhat yeah. gassed as well you got to be able to yeah which yep. is it, it's it's really interesting to hear um And last question I've got for you is what advice would you give to any youngsters who are, you know, aspiring to become referees themselves? Um,
1: I I would honestly just say it can, refereeing can be anything you want it to be from a, from a hobby, from money in the bank week to week. If you're looking for casual pay to an elite level full-time career option, like I always, you always hear these sort of questions and people talk about the scrutiny that goes with refereeing and, you know, little Johnny, little Johnny's mum doesn't want him to referee because he'll get yelled at by parents on the sideline like there's obviously that continuing notion and that's just the environment unfortunately that we that we live in any decision you make 50 percent of the people there on the day aren't going to be happy with it yeah um but if you strip that back and take it away yeah I, I would just say that anyone who's considering it it can literally be anything you want it to be like for me it was something I did because I loved rugby league I probably wasn't at the stage where I was confident enough to keep playing. So i like gave it a crack to stay at football. And then it turned into, oh, wow, they've actually got, you know, money coming in now. Then it turned into, oh, I'm actually traveling somewhere to do these games. And then it turned into, you know, sign here. This is your part-time agreement. And then it ended up turning into a dream that I wanted to chase and that I ended up getting. And once I'm, once I'm there, I'm loving it. So yeah, it can literally be anything you want it to be. And I don't think that, the negatives necessarily have to drive the notion about whether or not some sh- someone should referee or not. Like I think there's so many more positives that people don't see because you know, all that's all that really gets written about from a refereeing perspective is the negative. So yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it than what can be seen on a superficial level.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'll,